Welcome to Season 4 of Fred Talks. We are pleased to announce that the first two episodes of Season 4 will be a series of discussions about the history of Army education programs specific to the JAG Corps. Mr. Fred Bork, regimental historian and archivist for the Judge Advocate General's Corps and professor of legal history and leadership at TJAGLICS. Um, I'm Sergeant First Class Trey Angle, NCIC of the Center for Law and Military Operations, trying to fill in for Major Hood's shoes as he was doing an excellent job with uh, season three. Mr. Bork, why do you think Fred Talks is so popular and why we want to keep going with the season four? Is that is your natural charisma or well-modulated speaking voice or what do you think, sir? Good morning, Sergeant Angle. That's a, that's a very fair question. Why are they popular? Well, I think one reason is that our history is just fascinating, and there are lots of interesting things to talk about. We have been around uh, in the Army for almost 250 years. We're about to celebrate our 248th birthday. So I guess the, the real reason is, no, it's not me. It's because we have some really cool history that we can talk about. I also am a big believer in brief is better, and so we try to keep these Fred Talks to about 12, 13 minutes. And not that people don't have attention spans for what they want to listen to, but I think that short pieces of our history are very interesting. So I propose that in season four, we continue to do these short talks. Sounds good, sir. Thank you. Um, From the mouth of our resident expert here, can you tell us more about the history of the funded legal education program or the FLET program? Yes, I I wanted to talk about this, and in fact, when I mentioned it to one of my colleagues, he said, wow, that sounds really boring to me, to which I replied, well, not if I'm going to talk about it. So everyone should know that we have a funded legal education program where we send a select group of soldiers to law school at government expense. One of the big things that's a recent development and and long overdue is that now non-commissioned officers in the ranks of E5 to E7 or sergeant to sergeant first class are now eligible for FLEP as well, which is a really good thing, long overdue, and I'm going to talk about that in a minute. But some people say, well, I know we have this FLEP program, funded legal education program, but why? Why do we send 20 25 soldiers a year at government expense to get their law degrees. So the other services do this as well. The Navy sends folks to school, Marine Corps does, Air Force does, Coast Guard does, but all this started back in the 70s when the Army JAG Corps had a terrible problem. We couldn't keep mid-grade officers. You have to go back and remember that in the early 70s, the Army was in bad shape. Coming out of the war in Vietnam, military service was very unpopular. Uh, The country, if it wasn't anti-military, it was certainly uninterested. And the other problem then was that the draft was over. So after World War II, when we had a peacetime draft in the 50s, the 60s, and during the war in Vietnam, there were lawyers who got drafted And they had to make a choice. Do I spend two years as a draftee and maybe go to Vietnam, which was not usually on everyone's list of things to do, or did they come into the JAG Corps? And so we didn't really have to worry about retention up until the 70s when not only did the draft go away, but all of a sudden a lot of our mid-grade folks left. And so in the 
40s and the 50s, the Army was sending a select group of officers to law school. Mostly these were judge advocates who were going to go to West Point and teach in the Department of Law. And the idea was, well, maybe you didn't need to be a lawyer, but we need to send you to law school so you'll be more effective. What happened was is that the Navy was also sending a small group of officers to law school. But then, when these lawyers came back to the Navy, the Navy was putting them back in line officer jobs. Now, in fairness to the Navy, the Navy did not have a JAG Corps until 1967. So everyone who was in the Navy was basically a line officer. But there was a member of Congress, a senator, I believe, who got wind of the fact that the Army was sending, that the Navy was sending uh, officers to school and then not using them as lawyers. He got very upset and the result was no money could be spent, taxpayer money, for funded legal education. So it was dead. The workaround was that starting in the 60s, we created this extended leave program. And this allowed officers on active duty who wanted to go to law school to go on an extended leave status. You didn't get any pay or allowances. You had to pay for law school on your own. But in the extended leave status, it counted for promotion purposes and it counted for pay. It didn't count for retirement, but still there were a lot of lawyers uh, who came in through the ELP. And I think by the time the ELP stopped, we had about 150, maybe 160 lawyers. Some of the services still use ELP. The Air Force, for example, has the FLEP and the ELP. I know the Marine Corps for a while had ELP. I don't know if it still does. Uh, but the point is, that was a workaround. Then, however, in the mid-70s, Senator Barry Goldwater was persuaded that the idea of bringing back a funded legal education program was the way to go. Senator Goldwater introduced legislation, and as a result, uh, 1974, the funded legal education program was born. So in April 1974, uh, the Army lawyer announced that every year we could select up to 25 active duty commissioned officers. You had to be serving in the grade of 03 or below, and you couldn't have more than two to, or six years of active duty. So if you think about it, even if you had six years of active duty, by the time you finish law school, you'd be at the 10-year mark, and then at most, you'd hit 20, 10 years as a judge advocate. So we didn't want people coming into the program who had too much active duty. In fact, today, we probably pick on the more junior side. But in any case, if you got selected, you had full pay and allowances, and the Army paid all your tuition and fees. But in return, you had an active duty service obligation of two for one, so six years. But really a pretty good deal. And the FLEP program really came out, as I said earlier, because this was a way to really build mid-grades. When I came into the JAG Corps in 1980, 43 years ago, I was at Fort Benning, Georgia. The SJA was a colonel. The deputy was a lieutenant colonel. We had about 20 captains in the office. We didn't have any majors. We just couldn't retain the mid-grades. All that's really changed. FLEP was part of it, and that's why it existed. 
We discontinued the excess leave program because we didn't need both, but we could at any time bring back excess leave. I, I doubt that'll happen. So the big change then is four years, uh, non-commissioned officers complained uh, that they were not eligible for the funded legal education program. And I think their, their complaints were certainly justified, but you've, you've got to go back and, and think that the Army in the 1970s was very different. Education was not important in the enlisted ranks. You didn't need a high school degree. Certainly to get promoted, you didn't need any sort of education. You had to be good at what you did in your MOS. But all that changed over the years. In fact, certainly by the 80s and the 90s, many NCOs had college degrees. Not unusual to find a sergeant major with a master's. So things really changed. And I think that the JAG Corps recognized that it was time for deserving non-commissioned officers who had college degrees to be able to apply. And so the Army and the other services went into Congress and the law was changed in 2019. And as a result, our very first non-commissioned officers were selected for the FLEP program in the 2020-2021. There's an article in the Army Lawyer about this uh, published in 2020. Our first three successful applicants, about 20 NCOs applied, were Staff Sergeant Gonzalez, Staff Sergeant Smith, and Sergeant Matthews. Interestingly, only two of them were MOS 27 Delta. Gonzalez is a biomedical technician, I think, with masters in some science degree, so she's certainly smarter than I am. They are in law school, and even in our own, uh, in our own backyard here, Staff Sergeant Allison Cruz, who works right here, she has been selected for the FLEP next year, and she is going to be going to the University of Virginia to get her law degree. So, I mean, that's a fantastic opportunity. UVA is a really hard school to get into, and she will then finish up law school and then serve in the Judge Advocate General's Corps. So that's why we have the program. I think it will continue. So the, I guess the last question would be, what about legal administrators? Why is the funded legal education program only open to commissioned officers and non-commissioned officers? And I think the answer has to be in the warrant officer ranks because you have to be a non-commissioned officer, at least in our field, for five or six years before you can apply to be a warrant officer. Probably the, the decision has been if you are a warrant officer and you want to be a FLEP, you'd already have probably 10 years active duty. You're just going to be too senior. And not that there aren't many deserving legal administrators out there, but I think probably the feeling would be, hey, if you're a warrant officer, let's say you're a CW2, you probably got 10 years in. By the time you finish law school, you'd have 13 years in. That's probably why. I'm just guessing. But again, if you're a non-commissioned officer, sky's the limit for going to law school. And that, Sergeant Angle, is the history of FLAP. Well, thank you, Mr. Bork. And uh, at least for me, this has been a great reminder uh, of the great opportunities in the United States Army and in the JAG Corps to progress and uh, increase in excellence through the pursuit of education. So thank you for that, sir. You're welcome. In uh, episode two, we will explore the history of the LLM program and the JAG Corps. Thank you for joining us. 
views expressed or implied on this podcast are those of participants and do not necessarily reflect the views of the U.S. Army JAG Corps or other organizations with which the participants are associated or by whom they are employed.